welcome you together as we gather this morning. Um, like Jeremy said, next week uh, we're looking forward to Reggie uh, McNeil being here. And if you haven't heard Reggie, he's an amazing speaker. But true words were never said. We would be hearing about complaints about the heat, you know, the whole time. And so uh, we did decide to, to be inside. He, he's amazing, but he's kind of a whiner. But we love him anyway. We love him anyway. He's, he's awesome. And I'm so excited. It, we looked up, April looked up, and I think it was three years ago. It was 82 degrees out there. And uh, Trevor Hollenbeck, who's our IT guy who also um, plays drums uh, quite a bit, and, and we, he, he like really got heat sick. And so we do want to make sure everyone stays safe. And it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I want to invite you to come and we are going to have uh, lunch, so uh, we are asking for RSVPs, but I'm really excited about that. Uh, today we're finishing up a series called Reflections, and you know, in a lot of ways, the entire New Testament is a reflection on Jesus, right? But every single book of the New Testament, they have a very unique reflection for us on Jesus. And that's what we've been trying to look at throughout this series. We look at various books in the New Testament, uh, pretty much all of the authors. Because our call as disciples, ultimately, our call is to reflect Jesus through our lives. We need to open up our hearts so the Holy Spirit will be able to reflect more and more Christ in our day-to-day life. I mean, through our actions, I, we want it to start to look a little bit more on earth as it is in heaven, which is what Jesus told us we should pray happens. And, and that's how we, we, we allow the Spirit to work through us, and that's one of the ways that this occurs. And, and so today we're going to finish our series with uh, the book of Revelations. And I'll tell you, April and the rest of them, they, they couldn't have set it up better. The songs that we sang, and um, I love the, the bleeping sheep and the, the lamb, and Arr! that was great, lion. So, you know, I've heard, and I think we all have at this point, we're in like the the single longest prolonged heat experience, heat wave we've ever had in recorded history right now in the Pacific Northwest. And and that means, I'll tell you, right now there are people who are just pouring through the book of Revelation, trying to find a correlation, and they're trying to find a link with the, the, the weather and what's going on, and looking, is this the last time, is this the last days? And, and some people, that's how they see Revelation. And, and you know, it, it's a key to predict long-range future events that are going to lead to the end of times. And it just so happens the end of times are always in the modern period, you know, uh, has for 2,000 years. And so that means the weather that we're experiencing may be prophesied back in Revelation. And so we're going to go to Revelation with a goal to figure out what's the key. What is it telling us so we can figure out when and how. Now, Revelation has so much to offer us. And especially right now, I do believe in the hot summer right now, 2021. But rather than searching for a prophecy that's going to be the key to predicting the end of times, I want us to relook at Revelation today. And see, it is, it's, it's a symbolic portrayal of a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. In the in-between time, between the victory of Jesus on the cross and his final return. And Justin talked about that with the lion and the lamb. We're going to look at that today. Ultimately, Revelation is going to force us to decide. In the midst of the struggles, in between those two times, as we're awaiting Jesus' return, will we orient ourselves around the earthly city of Babylon 
or the city that is coming where Christ will reign forever, and that's the new Jerusalem. Revelation wasn't written as a timetable for the future. It was written to help us to be faithful in the midst of the adversities, in the midst of the challenges in the here and now. And unless you've been under a rock lately, I think we all know we've had some adversities and some challenges lately. Revelation, written by a man named John on an island, Patmos, during a time of adversity for the early church. And God gave John a vision, and he asked John to share it with Christians so they would endure in the midst of their struggle. In their adversity, John wanted them to, he wanted to assure them of God's ultimate victory over evil. And he wanted to remind them of their ultimate hope. Now, what is that? Well, that God has an ultimate plan. And that plan is to put things right that are not right. And John wrote Revelation to describe our future hope. But also to give us some, some perspective in the midst of our present struggles. God has a plan. It is in motion. In Revelation, God is giving us a window into that plan. And we, we have to, we're living in the in-between time. The time between what God has done and what God will do. Through the one that is both the victorious lion and also the sacrificial lamb. Because they're one and the same. Jesus is the lamb and Jesus is the lion. He's calling you right now. <laughs> Before we get to Revelation, we need to really understand something. John was incredibly blessed. And I'm not sure we can really understand the depth of what this is. But he was blessed with this vision of God's perspective. God's perspective on the past. God's perspective on the present. And God's perspective on the future. And I want you to think about that. A human being was given this glimpse to see how God sees things. That's not a vision that humans get to see very often, right? And so it should not be any wonder that throughout Revelation that John is struggling to find words to describe what he saw, to convey what he saw. Uh, New Testament theologian uh, Michael Bird had an amazing analogy, a, a way to explain this. And he said, you know, imagine you're in the jungles of Brazil, which I'd like to be because I bet it's a lot cooler right now. But we're in the jungles of Brazil, in the native village in Brazil, and the kind that you read about in National Geographic, you know, and, and, and just a pure, untainted village. They've never seen an outsider. They've basically never seen anything from our world. You know, this is just, you know, spears, the whole thing. And, and how would you describe Star Wars to them? That's for Marcos. You know, you don't speak their language. But even if you did, I mean, they've never seen a car. They've never 
they have no idea what a computer is, let alone a space rocket or a space shuttle. He said it'd be like watching Shrek without knowing the nursery rhymes and all the fairy tales that it's parodying. John has seen something that is just beyond our understanding. He's trying to explain it. He's trying to describe his vision. He's trying to assure us, and he's, he's trying to encourage us, and he's trying to tell us about the ultimate plan and the victory of Christ that we're all going to participate in. And the problem is, we haven't seen what he saw. So what did he see? He saw a marriage. He saw a marriage of heaven and earth, he says. The end of Revelation describes heaven and earth coming together and becoming one as a bride and a groom. Joining together. This is God's plan, he says, all along. Throughout Revelation, John, John piles symbol upon symbol upon symbol to describe what that's going to look like. And see, we tend, we tend to think of heaven as a place, but the Bible really describes heaven more in terms of God's reality. And in terms of God's plan for earth and all of creation. The earth and all of creation, they're deeply broken. And I think we all know this. They're broken to the point that we can't fix it. But God has a plan to make things right. That started back when he entered creation in the man Jesus. Jesus was making things right as he walked, as he taught. Jesus was making things right as he healed, as he exercised demons. And Jesus was making things right when he hung on the cross. The victory was won. And the resurrection was proof of that victory. Proof that we'll all experience one day. Revelation reminds us what is to come. And, and, and Revelation puts our day-to-day -day challenges and our day-to-day -day suffering within this wider vision of God's ultimate triumph. In our day-to-day -day sufferings, John wants to remind us of what our real hope is. God has a plan to bring about this marriage between heaven and earth with Jesus at the center. Jesus is the lamb who was slain, and he's also the lion who will return to conquer. And he will dwell with his people together eternally as our king. Revelation starts out seven individual letters to seven individual churches, and, and we've looked at these. We had a recent sermon series on them. Uh, seven churches in Asia Minor, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And these seven letters, these seven churches, they're found in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, and they're so practical for us today. Actually, some of my favorite material in the Bible, I, I, most practical for our day-to-day -day spiritual journey. I think it's incredible. And they set the tone for the whole book, is the point. They're describing challenges that real Christians are having in the trenches of life. That real people, living as disciples in a world that frankly was not very friendly to them, 
And these seven churches, they were the epicenter of the Christian faith at the day, at the time. And like, they dealt with things like false teaching, like a lack of good deeds, like a lack of good works, but also things like affluence, things like compromise. I mean, the list goes on and on. But he says the, the worst thing is lukewarm faith. It's very clear. And most of these churches, these seven churches, they get a commendation and a condemnation. And the point is they all have challenges. But the question underlying, how are they witnessing to their faith in the midst of those challenges? Thyatira and Philadelphia, they're, they're, they're commended for the ways that they're enduring the face of opposition. And we're all going to struggle as we face opposition. And when you think about it in terms of stimulus and response, stimulus is just part of being human in the world, right? We're going to have struggle. We're going to have opposition if we're you know, upright and breathing. Because we do things, and others, we live in a broken world, right? I mean, things like greed, malice, fear, anxiety, I mean, there's lust, there's so many drivers. And Revelation, I love this, this, these things are real. And Revelation takes those things seriously. It says they're going to happen, but the good news is, Revelation reminds us of the big picture so we can put our response into perspective. Because it's how we respond that's really important. And so often, at least for myself, I want to focus on the stimulus. I mean, this thing is the problem. I need to fix this thing. I need to deal with the problem. I need to just get rid of it because I'm a fixer. I'm probably the only one in this room, right? But what if we realize this problem? It really doesn't matter when you have an eternal perspective. It's just a blip on the radar. And rather than trying to address the problem, trying to fix this thing, what if I realize all of this stimulus is just an opportunity for me to learn to lean into Christ deeper? To offer this thing to Christ as an opportunity to grow deeper in my discipleship. For him to be Lord of this aspect of my life so he can mold my heart to be closer to his. And it's very possible for me to allow my faith to inform not just my good days and good times, but my really bad times. The really difficult steps on the journey. I mean, relational conflict. Fear. My grief, my loss. There is a lot going on in our world today. I think we're all struggling. I read an article on the workplace yesterday and, and, and basically said our entire workplace is just burnout. And they're making a case. They were saying, you know, uh, the, the lines blurred so much last year between work and home. You know, everybody's working at home and trying to raise kids at home and trying to teach the kids at home. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And you just couldn't get away from it. For a whole year. I mean, everybody's sharing the Internet. I mean, that right there, you know. <laughs> we're tired. And we were so excited for the summer 
and you can't go outside. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, you know, the, last year we had to cancel our outdoor worship on 4th of July because of COVID. And I was thinking, you know, the year before we did because of smoke, but that was actually our fall kickoff. You know, it's like, it's just like we can't get a break. I love outdoor worship. It's just so much fun. And we'll get there again. This last week, though, you know, I, I was praying with people for uh, the, the, the amount of things <laughs> that people were struggling with and their health, real health issues. Not just physical, but emotional and spiritual. Uh, people struggling with addiction. In the process of saying goodbye to a loved one. Getting ready to give a loved one to God. Dealing with financial issues. Dealing with relational issues. I mean, uh, just in one week, I mean, the list was crazy. Who hasn't struggled, really? I mean, our relationships are strayed. A lot of relationships were just severed over the last year, and it just makes me sad. We're tired. That's why, you know, Revelation reminds us in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our challenges, we have an opportunity with every single one for discipleship. There are opportunities to give them to Christ so our faith will grow. Opportunities for Christ to be Lord of this thing in my life. An opportunity for me to witness to my faith right here and now. Because the biggest message in Revelation is that there will be a triumph over evil. Over death itself. And Lukewarm faith doesn't cut it. Don't let the beliefs of the world taint your thoughts. From living a life based on the pursuit of money or whatever it is. You know, things, lies, deception. And the challenges of life that we're facing right now, we have an opportunity to reaffirm our allegiance to God and to live as people, people whose hearts have been offered to Christ. Who offered his life for us. And John is reminding us our destiny is the crown of life. We need to be clear about this. Revelations, not trying to console us in our woes that everything's going to be good one day in heaven, you know, and we'll all be okay eventually. Revelation is calling us to believe and to behave in the triumph of the Lamb and the impending judgment of the lion. What does that mean? We're, we're called to repentance when we compromise. Is it false teaching? If it's behavior that doesn't fit the action of the disciple, we're supposed to turn a ways back. It always strikes me, you know, the area these seven churches were written in, it's modern-day Turkey. And I tell you, this, these were the pioneer churches of the faith. This was the epicenter of the faith, and today there is no Christian presence there whatsoever. They didn't make it through these struggles, and we need to sit with that. Because the issues in Revelation are as real now as they were when John tried to share his vision. 
to these real people in the midst of their real struggles. We need to be reminded that God's kingdom is coming. And we really need to be reminded of that when we're struggling. Revelation isn't a timetable for the end. It's a reminder of what we have to look forward to when we're in the trenches. And those moments that we just don't think we can make it through. John's reminding us, Jesus is on the throne. The Lamb of the cross is the Lion for all eternity, and we will be with him soon. Now we have a chance to be his witness. We can live as citizens of his kingdom right now. It's, it's the church's job to call people to believe, to call people to follow, and, and to speak boldly the truth in the face of power. And also to declare God's judgment. Revelation reminds us of the dangers of complacency and, and, and compromise and, like I say, lukewarm faith. And, and it's also an exhortation to endure any hardship. To see challenges as opportunities to witness to our faith. Because ultimately, John is reminding us of our real hope. God's new world. De Jesus' death and resurrection was about victory over evil. The lion, the king of kings, the lord of lords, became the lamb and offered his life as a sacrifice. Through his death, he conquered evil. I love Revelation 5.12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. But the story gets even greater as you read through Revelation. John ends with this description of our ultimate hope. And that's when the lion returns. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And the sea was no more. And I, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her groom. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. And he will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Mourning, crying, pain will be no more. The first things have passed away. The heavenly city, the new Jerusalem come. You know, be clear, God's people go to heaven when, when they die. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. When we die, we will be with God. But our ultimate hope, as depicted in the Bible, is even greater than that. God's kingdom will come. His will is going to be done. Jesus' resurrection was a foretaste of something that we will all experience, all of creation will experience, and we look forward to God recreating us. 
The Bible ends with chapter 21, chapter 22, this beautiful promise that the whole world will be reborn and will be with God. A new heaven, a new earth, married together for all eternity. No suffering, no pain. Those lines that divide today, the economic lines and the racial lines and the ethnic lines and the sexual lines and the greed lines and the opposition and the hunger and the poverty and all of those divisions. The things of earth that cause harm and the things that divide us, which is what sin is, right? They're going to be no more. This is the plan. We are all going to be equal. We'll all be together, those who have gone before, because of the life and the love of the Lamb, we'll be under the rule of the lion. This is our hope. Right now, we're Easter people, right? We currently live in a world of Fridays. That's the day of the cross. But we're Easter people. And the Lamb is calling us to follow Wherever he goes. Where did he go on Friday? He went to the cross. The cross is already taken. Our job isn't to go to the cross. Don't misunderstand me. Our job is to declare the victory of the cross. To live as people who are destined for all eternity with the Lamb. And right now as we wait, the, the ultimate Easter Sunday morning when heaven and earth come together for all eternity, we will sing the song of Revelation, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne. To the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forevermore. Amen. Where... Are you struggling? What have you lost? Where are your hurts? God knows. And God is there. If we offer these things, we're not alone. crooks of our faith, in the midst of the tomb, God bursts forth life. God bursts forth life. Can we be witnesses to that life? Pray with me, Lord. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for our hope in the midst of our journey. We're never alone. And we're able to offer our hurts and our loss and our frustrations and our anger to you. In the midst of a spiritual heat wave, we praise you for your presence and for our ultimate hope. In the name of the Lamb and the Lion, 
Amen.